The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Thomas Enherho, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. Joining me today on the panel is Father Joseph Sun. Hi, Father. It's good to have you. How are we doing? Doing great. All right. So uh, tonight, I think we've got some interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, in our in our segments, our starting segments, we're going to ask the question, uh, when is hacking hacking, and when is cheating cheating? <laughs> and I think these are both uh, really great examples of how to look at things that are are uses of technology that are questionable, but maybe not illegal. So we're going to start off with the, the story about the Missouri governor who threatens a reporter who discovered that a state site was spilling private information. And so um, I, I think the just to give kind of an overview of it, if you didn't catch it, the, the interview is really great. You have to listen to the interview because uh, listening to the governor talk about uh, him, this guy cracking the HTML code uh, to um, to get this information is uh, it, it just shows the lack of understanding of what's happening that the governor has. But I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they hear cracking HTML code. Yeah, that, and it's got this kind of mysterious otherworldliness to it. But literally all your your browser is doing is reading HTML code and and you as a user can open up that HTML code anytime and look at it. Yeah, I I thought that maybe this should be titled press F12 to hack. Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Control I. <laughs> That's it. In, in case you don't know on most computers if you if you press F12 on the page that you're in, you can review all the code of the HTML code of a page. And it's um, pretty normal thing that most developers use. Yep. I actually got a job from that once. Um, I, I uh, was inspecting code because I really liked the way that a page was put together. And inside the page as an annotation, uh, as just a note for developers, there was an introduction to say, hey, if you're reading this, you must be interested in this kind of thing. We would like to hear from you. And I responded to the email and they said, hey, we could use your help doing this and this and this thing. And so then I went off and did those things for them and got some money for it. So people expect you to do this if they know what they're doing. <laughs> so no one accused you of hacking or threatened to sue no. you for pressing F12. <laughs> no, no, no. They paid me money for it. So, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. But um, I think that the dangerous thing here is that there there was a bug in this piece of code that allowed a reporter to get to social security numbers of teachers. And when he went and and told the organization this... Uh, they immediately accused him of hacking instead of kind of reviewing their process and and thanking him for bringing it to their attention. <laughs> so have you ever done bug bounties? Have you ever done anything like uh, I have not? I have okay. not. But it reminded me, um, you know, this was the early 2000s when our computers in high school were still win running Windows 98 or Windows 2000. Um and I remember I was in a visual basic class at my public high school and um, I went through a network neighborhood and I managed to find the access database file that all of our grades were st stored in. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and I, being a um, well-raised child, quickly told my um, computer teacher that I have found this um, and Thanks be to God, you know, her with knowledge of technology um, praised me and thanked me for finding it and thanked me for bringing it to her attention. Um, and I really think that um, that teacher's approach to how I how she responded to that helped to get me um, interested in pursuing career um, in information securities, which mm -hmm. is what I went for in my um, early college years before seminary. And so I think another thing this brings forward, and I mean, this is um, what the Missouri governor is getting upset about here is something in the Department of Education. Right. Um, and so they should be looking at education 
And the fact that we have someone, um, a reporter this time, but nonetheless, going and looking at code um, and being good about it, Mm -hmm. right? Not trying to cause harm. What kind of an example are we setting for our children who take interest in this, an interest in being good stewards of technology when we rake someone over the coals for doing something that's good? Right. For responding properly to finding, you know, I mean, if you find someone's door is open, the best thing that you can do is tell them, hey, your door, the door to your car is it's unlocked. It's open. <laughs> not, uh, you know, not just rummage through their car and take their stuff and then walk off without saying anything. And if they respond by accusing you of that, even though what you did was tell them their door was open, then that, that's troublesome because that means fewer people are going to do that for fear of very high profile uh, backlash like this, uh, like the situation has uh, arisen. I think the, the quote is really, is really good. Uh, the, the way he's defining hacking is through a multi-step process. A hacker took the records of at least three educators, decoded the HTML source code and viewed the social security numbers of those specific educators. And, um, it's hard to parse what exactly happened. And that's, I think, the thing that is is difficult from a person who knows how to hack. And I, you know, I'm, I do I have done bug bounties before I have gone to websites and and there are websites out there that you can go to where companies pay you to try and hack their website. And you go and you you have a standard set of tools. It's not it's it's I think uh, Mr. Robot is a great uh show to that kind of gives an example of what it's like to be a real life hacker so if you've if you've never watched it i definitely recommend it but it's you have a set of tools you have a standard set of tools that you use because 99 times out of 100 it's a stupid mistake that somebody made that's very easy to hack uh that you have a a, a toolkit together that goes through all of those possible vulnerabilities and eventually you find something and then the the company will pay you uh, four five hundred dollars, sometimes a couple thousand dollars, depending on how significant the hack is. And so I, I don't think that there was actually an issue of HTML source code being the thing that that caused the problem here. But the fact that these social security numbers are stored in a way that they were accessible to someone without a login, uh, that they were openly viewable uh, to that person. And that they were easy enough to get that this is not a professional hacker. This is just a uh, a reporter that went and did this. That tells me that something was wrong. It was the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which um, doing my seminary studies in St. Louis, it's a bigger local newspaper, but it's a local newspaper. Right. <laughs> um, it's not the New York Times having a high-level person that they're paying to do technology investigative reporting. This is just a regular local reporter going on a website of a the Missouri Department of Education. Yeah. And that and that that's I think that's the that's the really dangerous thing here. That's the worrisome thing is that uh it's this the statement itself shows a lack of understanding of what could possibly have happened, which creates more confusion about the situation and then kind of puts uh, it casts into doubt all of the different uh, departments. And I, there's no mm-hmm. doubt that there's a bunch of hackers that are going through their stuff right now, combing the things to find more vulnerabilities. One of the other things that um, I just kind of lined this up with when Congress was going against um, bringing Facebook execs before them and There was this one quote that they asked them if they're going to put a stop to um, Finstagram, fake Instagram accounts, um, as if it's um, as if Finstagram is an actual product that Facebook puts out um, and not just (laughs) fake Instagram accounts people make. Um, And it demonstrated a um, level of ineptitude um, Mm -hmm. of our lawmakers of to understand technology. It kind of reminded me of the famous Ted Stevens telling us about the internet being a series of tubes. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And really doesn't give me confidence in 
and we'll get in another story about this in a little bit, mm-hmm. I think, but it doesn't really give me a lot of confidence when the government um, says, and they, there's some good in this, that they want to regulate things in internet, um, mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing when they make comments like this. Right, right. It's It, it, it calls into question what exactly they're going to regulate, right? Because, I mean, you can regulate the HTML code until the cows come home, but that's not going to stop somebody from getting a social security number that's stored improperly. <laughs> um, and that, and that, and it's, but it's, and it's, you know, it's laughable, I think in, in some respects, because we, we look at it and, and people who are savvy and who know about things like the F12 and the control I and the, and uh, the, the myriad different ways that you can look at the source code and that you can access the source code and do manipulate the source code. Um, it's it's funny but at the same time like you're saying it's really it's really worrisome that these people are the people that are the lawmakers they're going to be making the decisions about how to regulate this stuff and really what the governor should have done here is stepped back and let someone else who knew what was going on uh present and and that's part of it is these politicians they need to kind of step back and say uh and now i'd like you to hear from our cybersecurity expert who's going to tell you what happened and how we're going to respond and then hand it over to the person who is the professional and let them speak to the issues so that there's no more confusion there's no more i mean when you do something like this it really does it it just invites more problems because it goes viral and now everybody knows that there's issues <laughs> And he made himself a meme. I mean, yeah, no, he really did. That's what it boils down to, Uh, which is not good for, you know, that's the opposite of being the face of the situation that you want to instill security and confidence and (laughs) those kind of things. Uh, You really have just done yourself a a huge disservice. So uh, the other topic we have kind of related to this is is similar where it's a it's sort of gray area that uh, went viral and uh, a lot of people have weighed in on it. And, um, you know, I think we'll give our two cents and I'm, I'm pretty sure ours is going to be pretty close. I'm pretty sure ours, ours would be pretty close to what Dom and um, Jack would say about it, too. Uh, I think but, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, a student was using iOS 15's live text to and, and the phrasing is steal a, uh, a, a class notes and get an A plus at life. <laughs> so they're saying that they were stealing uh, uh, class notes from another uh, student and that they were getting an A plus on life because of that. Well, uh, what ended up happening was it's a it's a TikTok, So it's a, a short video clip of someone using the live text function of their iOS device to take a picture over the shoulder of the person in front of them and uh, get grab their class notes. So this person's apparently taking good class notes, or at least we assume they are because why would you steal them otherwise? Uh, but they're taking good class notes and uh, the TikTok user is take, takes a picture of it and it automatically goes to text. There's a feature on the phone that takes a picture and can analyze the text and then automatically turn it into text. And so now they have text. Uh, how do you feel about this? I'll start off with you. Yeah, I was I was just looking at my phone. I have an eleven, and I think I think I was reading it's the XS or newer is able oh, okay. to do it. But I have I haven't checked it out on my phone. Um, what it can do, I can see a great benefit to it. In um, I have a lot of my spiritual reading books or homily prep that I do mm-hmm. right, and that I could just take a book really quick and copy text. Um, and be able to really save time and have technology be a great benefit. Right. Um, but it's worrisome. Um, I'm thinking in particular, um, I work with high schoolers. Um, luckily we, um, in our high school, we have Chromebooks. Um, so, you know, Google with Chromebooks isn't really coming out with anything this innovative. Um, that wasn't meant to be a Chromebook shop, but it kind of ended up being one. <laughs> um, but there's a worry there. Um, we don't yeah. allow cell phones in the classroom. Our kids have to put our, their cell phones away at the beginning of the school day mm-hmm. um, with strict consequences if we catch them with them. Um guess that's one of the advantages of being a Catholic school is we can right. level those <laughs> consequences. Um, 
but I could see um, I have an essay test that I'm giving and a kid just holds up his phone and pulls off the full essay of the, the A plus student in front of him. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, especially in a college course where you have 300 kids or so or something. Right. No, I, I definitely see, I, I definitely see a danger in it too. And, and I, I will tell you, I will warn you though, because with the, with the Chromebook, as long as it has a camera, I could program a text reading uh, program on it in Python. It can be done. Yeah. <laughs> it can be done. It's not, it's not, terribly easy but it's not really complicated either so the the great thing about the um chromebooks we use a product called go guardian ah, on our chromebooks mm-hmm. and it gives us um access and ability to filter and um monitor and the teacher in the classroom can actually see the screens of the kids while they're in the classroom yeah um when they take their device home, if they're outside of our IP address, um, our teachers can't be dropping in on them with that, which is a good thing. Right. Um, <laughs> but in the classroom, they're able to monitor that. And so um, I think that's good. Good, good products to stop yep. um, some of the cheating stuff going on. But I think um, all in all for our for our teachers, right? Nothing just like I would say for parents, right? Nothing. um is better than good classroom management and exactly. for parenting. Nothing would be better than good parenting. Um, you can't replace classroom management and parenting with software. That's very true. And I, and I think that's kind of the situation here too, because I remember doing something very similar to this when I was in college, where um, I was part of a class that was 100% notes based. And so you, mm-hmm. you had to show up for the lectures, but the notes were all that really mattered. And um, so we had a trade-off system where there were three of us and it was a Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday class. One of us would go Monday and take notes. The second would go Wednesday and take notes. And the third would go Friday and take notes. And then we would share them over the weekend. (laughs) And that way we could divide our class time. And I I think the difference here, in my opinion, is the fact that this student does not seem to be aware that that their notes are being taken. And the the theft of the notes uh, is, is my real problem with this, where... Uh, you know, I mean, it's easy to take a picture and get notes. Uh, I, I think that if a teacher is so dependent on the notes of the class that this kind of thing would ruin the class and make this person a cheater, then maybe they need to change their class style. Like you were saying, classroom management is really the important part here. But I think so. Uh, but I, what I'm worried about is that this this student stole these notes, stole the effort of another person because if everybody was just waiting for someone to take notes and take a picture of it then that one person is doing all the work for everyone in the class and that's not that's not okay yeah i don't i don't think this was something that apple foresaw um in their creation of this technology i think they probably saw it as a great benefit for education Mm -hmm. um but apple having their wing that they have for education um I would expect there to be a response to this. Um, I know on the Apple devices we do use in the school, I have a portal that I can manage it from. And I didn't have time to go into it. It's a software package called Mosul. And I'm able to use that to set policies and profiles across all my iPads. Mm -hmm. Um, And I haven't dug enough into it on their updates for iOS 15 but my guess is that there's something in there on the school devices at least to be able to um disable live photo um right and might be interesting and fun to go in and and look at that um and i might have to check with our educational service unit and see if they know anything about (laughs) disabling that um my ipads are used up through fifth grade um, so I'm not too oh, worried yeah. about about my iPads being right. used for cheating purposes with those kids. But yeah, but, uh, you know, you, you never know. I mean, it's it's always a it's always interesting. And I think that's one of those things where I know that as a as a, an educator, uh, when I was uh, a few years ago, my, my big push was to make sure that the honesty that the kids had was without boundaries. They needed to be honest. And that was that was on mm-hmm. them. 
and they needed to understand that part of using technology is creating your own boundaries and making sure that you are a consistent person across all platforms that you're involved in. And, uh, and that includes this kind of thing where it's, you know, if the effort is there to, to take notes, you should be taking notes, not, you know, just stealing and copying someone else's notes. <laughs> I hope, I hope, uh, um, I hope a couple of my high school kids listen to this because, um, <laughs> they just got this exact lecture from me. So uh-huh. maybe it's good for them to hear it from someone else. There um, you go. <laughs> it's always, the prophet is never respected in his hometown. That's, <laughs> uh, that's definitely the way of it. Yeah, and I know I, I experienced the same thing where kids would kind of look at me and roll their eyes like, yeah, yeah, sure, yes. Mr. S, sure. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to take a moment now to pause and thank some patrons. Uh, we'd like to, these are the patrons that make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology. And we'd like to thank this week Tamara D, Aldana T, Emmanuel S, Lisa C, and Anna D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows here at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, so uh, that'll bring us up to our headlines for this week. And we have two uh, big events and a couple of interesting uh, little side segments. I think we've been uh, getting the, all of these artificial intelligence bill of rights kind of things. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that one a little bit. But before we get there, of course, this week is um, the Apple Unleashed event. And uh, we're, we're going to keep uh, Dom specifically requested that we not rag on Apple. Uh, okay so should i should i take off my team linux hat right now (laughs) i think i think i'm we're both gonna have to do that just take off the team but you know it's it's our unix brotherhood right they're still inside the unix brotherhood they're not quite as bad as windows but now is is i'm not all up on this now i do have um i was telling thomas this before the show um as i'm um out of town at a conferences right now i have my macbook air with me because it's the easiest to pack and travel with and so part of my thing is i said well i'm not going to insult the new macbook too much because mine might lock up on me or something so um is mac still with the base is it bsd or is it something else that's running the base of it Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's still BST, but I'm not sure. I haven't been involved in a Mac in, in the, any of the newer Macs. Like the old, the newest Mac I have is from 10 years ago. So <laughs> don't quote me on, on anything about that. But I think it's still BST that they're running under the hood. And so for anybody, for anybody who's not into the geek speak right now, what we're talking about is the fact that uh, underneath the, uh, the, the, the operating system that you get, there is something that kind of, underlines that operating system and the two flavors really the only two flavors that you have are unix or dos those are the the two different kinds of uh operating systems that are well, well technically technically for windows um it'd be nt now not right. dos but, that's true yeah. yeah so they've updated they've updated theirs too um but the, the the that's all the stuff that runs on the back end and then what they what these companies do is they build an experience on top of that which is the operating system and so i know that's probably a whole lot more information than you wanted about <laughs> about how your how your macbook works but the thing about mac and this is the thing that i always uh say in praise of mac they make a good experience that's what mac is really mm-hmm. Uh, very excellent at you'll, you'll hear a lot of windows users complain about the blue screen of death about things not working for them about uh you know this kind of opaque way that things work and with a mac you plug it in and it's supposed to work with a mac it's going to it's it, it's just going to work and it's going to look nice and it's going to uh, feel like it's a good experience and then if you're like me and you get under the hood and start messing with stuff you're going to mess something up <laughs> but but the, the the great thing about macs is that they do make a nice product that feels good and that's what i think was the really big takeaway from this was that all of these products look like a really slick uh updating of the things that they've been working on and man those um the m1 pro and the m1 max uh they look amazing Uh, that is an intense upgrade to the chipset that they're going to have yeah we're talking up to 10 core in the cpu um, which is just when you're talking about the CPU inside, 
of a laptop. That's right. just that's amazing. Um, the GPU on top of that, they're talking up to 32 core, um, and then up to 64 gigabytes of RAM of memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this just baffles me that you could have up to eight terabytes of solid state storage in mm-hmm. your um, computer, which is just. Um, and then the, the blow away for me is this battery life um, that you could have that great of a processor and still promise that level of battery life. Yeah, that's just insane. Um, and really, um, Apple is right now and for years they were struggling to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, we we used to talk about, you know, during the Tim Cook era that we hadn't come out with anything that really was that Steve Jobs shining moment right. um, of this uh, this what is Apple doing to innovate and to um, have disruptive technology in the sphere of um, IT mm-hmm. and to Apple's props 2020, they did it. Yeah. Um, with that M1 processor and just blew the competition away. Yeah. And that's, I think the, I think the thing that's, that's so important here too, is that this is it, the same way the iPhone was a perfect alignment of all of these things happening at the right time. The fact that we've been kind of stuck at home over this last year and we've gotten back used to having desktop power and being able to do things on our main rig all the time. Uh, when when we're starting to go back out into the world, one of the things that we're going to be looking for is having that level of power with us. And this does it like this answers that problem in a way that no one else is even close to answering. 20 hour that's just <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and, and for anybody else i would say there's no way they, they don't even know what they're talking about but this is apple and, and apple is like if they promise that this is what's going to happen this is how it's going to work and that to me is really really impressive i'm i'm impressed with my i have the iphone 11 um i am not a um often updater of technology um my mac my MacBook Air I'm running outside of the computer I built myself, right? My MacBook Air that's a 2013 is the newest um, bought piece of technology I own. Um, but my iPhone 11, I can get through a day and a half mm-hmm. without putting it on a charger. And right. that's just impressive. Um, yeah. And so the fact that they've been able to do that is... And then on top of that, I would add with um, the fact that I'm still running a 2013, um, right? I'm still running a 2013 MacBook Air and it's still working well. Right. Um, And I'm running Big Sur on it. Um, They're supporting an eight-year-old device. Right. And with Windows um, and their recent flop... On not even supporting some devices that are two, three years old, you might be able to defend that $1,900 price mark if you know you're going to be able to use it for a decade. Exactly. And and I think that's the thing to, that's one of the important things to remember because a lot of people complain about Mac, uh, about Apple products because they have this view of, uh, you know, the obsoleting of technology. And to some degree they're right in the um in the in the mobile space definitely that's kind of my you know my wife uh, gets really upset about it but to be honest like she's had the phone for maybe four years and it's just gotten to the point where she has to either buy extra space on her apple drive to store backups of what she has or she is stuck with a phone that bricks itself when it tries to upgrade because the you know the new ios is just so big but that's a four-year-old phone you know, and that's it's about the time period to start kind of looking for something new because you've paid it off and your constant payments for for the monthly uh, fees and stuff. But you know, so I think they are they're embracing this this feedback that they're getting of not being a completely uh, you know just well just throw it away and get a new one. 
kind of company because you can run their stuff into the ground. I mean, we have two, you know, we, I said we have two 10 year old computers that still work. They don't run the newest operating system, but they're only on our local network. And we, you know, I made sure to kind of uh, firewall them in from everything, but they're, you know, they work. They still, my kids can still get on them and do all the stuff that they need to do on it. And you know what you can do after Mac stops supporting your oh, yeah. laptop, right? <laughs> I'm looking forward to Mac not supporting my MacBook Air. And Converting I'm it afraid to machine. say what I can do with the Mac. To, I, it might lock up on me. Um, exactly. No, don't delete me. <laughs> don't, don't delete me. Um, but, and I know the hardware will still work. And that's the, yeah. the props for them is it's good hardware. Yeah. Well, and, and I think uh, so. So moving on from from just these, you know, they, they do have a new 14 inch MacBook Pro, a new 16 inch MacBook Pro. The prices are high, but they are, admittedly, you know, like we're saying, that's, if they're good quality machines, which they are, then it's not a bad, not a bad deal. Now, now, a big selling point is that and this is props to them. They listened to their users. Yeah. Their users were upset about just having a USB-C port. Mm-hmm. Um, and they listened. Now they haven't given me my headphone jack back on my phone yet, <laughs> right? But they've listened about. I bought a MacBook Pro. I want all these ports. I don't want to buy dongles, right? Um, and they've listened. They've given the MagSafe back. Um, they've given an HDMI port. They've given. They have a USB-C. Um, do they have a regular USB-A port in there? I don't. I didn't see one, but I don't, I haven't looked very closely at it, honestly. I don't think so. Anyway, they've, they listened and that's props to them on that, um, of, of listening to their end users who, um, really wanted that and weren't able to do what they wanted to do with their previous MacBook pros. Um, I've had numerous friends already say to me that now that the ports are back, they're ready to upgrade. They're ready to upgrade. There you go. Yeah. But they weren't going to upgrade the last couple of years because they couldn't get their ports. Yeah. Well, because you get you you end up relying on pieces of equipment that you know you can't replace, and then having to buy a bunch of extra gear to go between, uh, you know, that might get loose, that might not work as well as just a direct port. It's it's sketchy, and you, and I I totally understand that because there's a lot of equipment that i have plugged into my machine that i would not trust to have an intermediary between my machine and the thing that's plugged in it's bad enough sometimes as is <laughs> so the, the other couple of things they had airpods 3 uh which seemed like an upgrade but you know i if here's here's the thing about airpods and everybody complains about them in a lot of interesting ways uh but with airpods if you need headphones you have airpods if you were an audiophile, you were going to get something else, period, the end. <laughs> and that's, that, that's, that's, it's not a dig on AirPods. That, it's just, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're a person who loves it, you're going to do something else. <laughs> I want to rewind back to the MacBook because okay, we missed, it. we missed, um, the most controversial part. Oh, and this is the notch. <laughs> I was going to stay away from the notch, man. <laughs> the notch. Um, uh, I'm not a fan. Now they're saying that you still have minus the notch. You're still getting that 16 by 10 aspect ratio. So Apple's claiming that you're not losing any screen space. Um, I'm just looking at my menu bar right now as I have Safari up. Right. Mm-hmm. And that notch would come down in the middle of my screen. So right. I, I want to see how that works. Um, I'm suspending judgment right now. Um, I'm still not a fan of the notch on my iPhone, so um, but I've dealt with it. Um, so I'm going to suspend judgment on that um, and <laughs> going to hold on and let it be. See, that's funny because like uh, on my Android devices, the one I have right now, it just has a camera like kind of sitting in the middle of the top of my screen. Yeah, and that's what the we'll get to the new pixel here pretty soon. But that's right. what the new pixel. I was looking at it, and yeah, and mine doesn't have a notch. I don't know it what's has... better. What's better, this hideous camera in the middle of your screen, or marking it off with a notch? I don't know. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to avoid talking about the notch because it is. It's. It's. Uh, I think it's one of those things that's a lot of upset because 
it, it, but it comes back to kind of the way that Mac presents their stuff is there. They have an aesthetic that they run with and the notch really does kind of throw the aesthetic. They're wanting, they're wanting this no bezel on the side. <laughs> it goes all know. the way to the end, except in the middle. <laughs> There's like this, just a little, I don't know. Oh man, uh, don't get me started on it. It's so funny. Um, I'm I, I'm obviously not a Mac guy, and I I have hunks of junk. That's that's what I use pretty pretty regularly. Is I just get stuff that people give me, and then I slap Linux on it and make it work. <laughs> and so it's always kind of kind of janky when I when I come walking around with my gear. But then my favorite part of the Apple event, we got a rag on them for this, is. Um, uh, <laughs> is the the cleaning cloth um the the $20 cleaning cloth <laughs> oh boy it, that's just you know i was thinking though um there's a $20 cleaning cloth and i was planning on getting the linux cleaning cloth and this cloth it's free right right <laughs> they send you in the mail thread and needle and a very inexact guide on how to put it together and a link to a forum of people who will ridicule you for your inability to make it. Um, yeah, that's that's the arch experience right there. That's the arch experience. I, in case you can't hear the sarcasm, that's a fake product. Yeah, I, I liked your comment the, saying that if if I can tell Siri to clear my to clean my screen with this cloth, I'm I'm in for the twenty dollars. Yeah, so uh, if Siri can clean my screen, that's that can um, segue us to this next um, product that they introduced, which was the reduced priced Apple Music. Right. Um, which my criticism of this is, if Siri is so great, why are you discounting it for me to <laughs> use Apple Music? Usually you discount something because it's an inferior product. Well, but see, so what are you like, admitting? Yeah. And what it feels like they're doing is like they're making Spotify out of this. Right. So they're mm-hmm. they're doing an Apple Music version of Spotify where it's kind of roulette in the sense that you tell Siri, hey, Siri, play me jazz music and Siri finds music for you. And it's not that you've picked a specific thing, but like Siri finds the music for you. So that's the sense that I get from it. I'm waiting to see what it actually ends up being like. Here's the thing. They've had a decade to perfect this artificial intelligence voice assistant. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't understand me. (laughs) I ask it for directions to get somewhere. And it's taking me to a different state half the time. Um And then Amazon turns around and within two years of having Alexa, they had it perfected, not perfected, but they had it better than Apple had done Siri. Um, And so it's not that the technology is not out there. They're just something tells me that maybe they need to scrap and restart with it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's not a good product. Um, on Ooh, it's my hard for opinion. Mac to do that, though. It's hard for Apple to. It's scrap hard. And restart. It's hard. You know how long did it take them to um, to go from Mac OS Classic that you know they should have let go of a long time before they <laughs> right. let go of it, and to and to go to that Mac OS X, um, yep. and then finally realize that they shouldn't be naming it X anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> they need to do something which, else with this. <laughs> which also brings up, I know iPhone event was a while ago, but at what point are we going to change the iPhone to the year? If we're saying that we're doing this every year. Right. Right. It's getting confusing that you have an, you have an iPhone 15 or 13. Um, once you get up to a higher number, I might think I'm buying a really old iPhone. Right. Um, once you get up to 20 um so that's true they really should just start doing that that makes that makes perfect sense it, it's right, a any, car model thing right right <laughs> it's the it's the 2020 uh 2020 iphone 2022 iphone coming out now all right that's man that is some advice that you could sell right there <laughs> well um Tim Cook will put my email address in the show notes and he can um, um, PayPal account. 
PayPal account won't work. Um, awesome. <laughs> actually, I do have I do have Apple Pay. I do have my um, I do have my Apple Card. So if if Tim wants to put the credit onto my Apple Card, he can do that as well. There um, you go. Perfect. I'm fine with that. I'll keep you in house, right? <laughs> uh, so let's move on to the other big one, which is um, Google's Pixel announcements. So this is kind of so we're moving back now from the um, major uh, releases to the phone releases, and this is Google Pixel Six. Uh, which I I was really impressed. The the prices are actually reasonable uh, this time around for the Google Pixels. What was it? Five ninety nine. Uh, six ninety nine for the six and eight ninety nine okay. for the Pro. Uh, which you know six ninety nine is in in the wheelhouse of where I normally look at phones, and then I find them for cheap because somebody you know got something they didn't want and turned it back into Best Buy, and it's you know seventy percent of the price because they can't sell it for full price now. It's not new. Yeah. <laughs> So you're still going on your um, cheap junk box of exactly of tech, even on the phone. So, okay. <laughs> exactly, man. I don't I don't pay that much for tech. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, but no, that's uh, so that's. Uh, but, but these two actually look uh, they look pretty good. The the camera is uh, impressive, and the thing that I will give Google Pixel is that their cameras are snappy, and that's the thing that apple almost always wins on is that the camera is so snappy in the phone Mm -hmm. and when you get to an android device it's so sluggish like you go to open your photo and by the time you get your uh photo system open whatever was happening that you wanted to take a picture of is done and everybody's moved on to something else so how about this bar across the back of the phone what are you thinking of that i actually like it i'm I'm gonna tell you like i saw these and i was like wait is that a pokedex (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um they they need to make a pokedex model of it totally you know do. it really do does you know look like how popular that would be <laughs> it would go it would sell like that's hotcakes right there man <laughs> it, it would it would out it would outsell the iphone 13 i promise you that <laughs> but yeah that's that's what i thought of when i first saw these pictures i was like hey is that a pokedex and uh and my kids my kids saw it i showed it to them too and they thought the same thing which is you know I, I don't I don't know that that's the market you're going for necessarily. Although I'm I'm in the market for a phone, so that's I guess that is a market you're going for. <laughs> um, it is it is raised, which is kind of interesting to me. I would need to get my hands on it, but but I'll be honest with you, like I never look at a phone's profile because I don't care because it's going in a case anyway. Right? Yeah, I, it's I I use a combined wallet and phone case, so I never see the back of my phone anyway. So that that never really is something that's a huge factor for me. That's going to be interesting casing that, though, with the yeah. raised. But but I can see a lot of ways for it to be cleverly done and look uh, pretty darn good. And I'm I'm intrigued to see what comes out from it, because it's uh, you know, it'll be it will be interesting, though, because I, I, I know that the like the ones I use are leather cases that have kind of a bent back that can stand on their own. And um I don't see how you could do that for this. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what comes out. This might be what's the first this, Pixel phone I end up with. <laughs> what's this whole Pixel Pass thing? Do you understand this? So um, there's it's a subscription that gives you kind of like um, premium access to some of the apps that are available on. So I I it's the app environment for Android is very different than the app environment for. Uh, apple because for apple you kind of expect to pay for any app that you get with android you kind of expect not to pay for any app that you end up with and um <laughs> i it's just a difference in the the communities right and so like when you go onto the to the google uh when you go into the google app store and you're looking through the apps and you see an app that costs even 99 cents you're like I bet there's a free version and you just keep scrolling until you find the free version. <laughs> yeah. And so what this, what this seems like is that it gives you the phone as well as subscriptions to these uh, extras that you get. At, so you get some of these paid apps as part of your bundle. So they like curate apps for you. Um, so, and I think, uh, Apple has a similar thing where they will you can subscribe and they'll curate apps for you that are, are we talking like Apple one Apple one with the game yes. subscription yeah. and all of that exactly and so I I think this is the same kind of thing where the the Pixel Pass gives you the not only the the phone but also access to that curated market of 
of actually paid apps so you're not dealing with a bunch of weird ui and <laughs> all, are, all that are other you stuff. still a, are you st- a Go- are you an android user i am an android user yes uh, okay um it's probably been four years now since i went away from android um my last android phone was the blackberry priv um, oh wow <laughs> which i really liked um but it got slow very quick yeah um but when I was in that, the Google Play Store and the amount of spam apps mm-hmm. was horrendous. Has mm-hmm. that been cleaned up? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it's better than four years ago. Yes, I would. I would okay. say definitely. Within the last few years, they've uh, you. You really are getting more reliable uh, returns on your apps. Now that being said. I really don't spend much time in the app store because I kind of have my environment set and I'm not loading a whole bunch of new stuff onto my phone, mostly just because I don't need it. And I don't, I don't want my phone to be any more of a distraction than it already is <laughs> with the stuff Amen. that I have on it. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so, yeah, I, but I would say that I would say, yes, it's a, it's a cleaner environment than it was. And they, they definitely, uh, I stick to all the recommended stuff. Honestly, I just go through and find the recommended things and, I will pay for an app if it's uh, if it's something that I use regularly. And so I like the idea on Android that most of the apps are free with ads and then you can pay to have the ads removed. And so it's, you know, like a four or five dollar fee for some of those apps to have the ads removed. But that's kind of the model that they have set up. Yep. Or the nice thing about Android is I could... um... I can find a way to put an ad blocker in my rooted phone and mm-hmm. not have those and ads anyway. The ads um, <laughs> this is true as well. <laughs> you can just read it and go. We're and getting, see. we're getting, we're getting back into that F12 <laughs> question, aren't we? Exactly. See, <laughs> well, and that's, uh, that's, I'm, but they don't have a Linux phone, man. That's if, if they had a Linux phone, that's where I would be, <laughs> which I know Android is kind of, it's based on the, but if actually if we don't have this phone, in the show notes, but, um, there was the um, Pine Foam Pro was just announced. Ooh, I'm gonna have to it's check a three ninety nine um, Pine Phone, so it's the Pine sixty four organization, and they had the Pine Phone before. Um, it's still under that development mo- um, mode, and so I've seen a lot of people complain about not being able to get SIM cards working, which kind of defeats the purpose of it being a right. phone. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it, so I think you can still officially say that there's not a Linux phone right. when you have people complaining <laughs> about SIM if cards it work not as working. A, as a phone, then it's really just, it's not a phone. <laughs> not yet, at least. All right, so I think for our last one here, we're going to cover this uh, Artificial Intelligence Bill of Rights. And um, this article was really interesting to me, especially with the other couple of, uh, you know, we, we've talked recently about intellectual property laws and how artificial yeah. intelligence effects is affected by them we've talked about whether or not um a, a uh an ai can own a patent which is same kind of thing and so uh now uh top science advisors are actually advising the president to create a bill of rights to guard against powerful new artificial intelligence technologies and I would like to see more of what they're calling for, because I think yep. this this is an interesting space. This goes back to our earlier discussion about the Missouri's Missouri's governor. Right. Um, yeah. And who are these people and what is their um, intelligence when it comes to um, technology and legislating about it? Um, right. And And I think I think the thing to remember is. And, and this is always the thing that I go back to. I love science fiction because very often in science fiction, what we're shown is that the machine isn't the monster. It's the person directing exactly. the machine. And exactly. that's, it's so key that, that the, the, the algorithms are, are dangerous. Yes, because they provide a lot of power, but the algorithms provide power. They aren't dangerous in and of themselves until they're misused. So I had a long Twitter discussion with one of the great philosophical minds of the 90s, MC Hammer. 
I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> I was going back <laughs> and forth with MC Hammer about AI. Um, and I didn't completely understand the argument he was trying to make here. I, but um, what I perceived of it is that he was saying, especially with trying criminals and things like that. Um, and this is kind of what this AI Bill of Rights is getting around to, um, is that, you know, you could take past criminal cases and things like that and have AI be making these decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, my problem with that is I want a human making decisions. Um, Mm -hmm. and this was the argument I was having with him is, you know, a human can't, a human can exercise mercy, right? I can't Mm -hmm. program the virtue of mercy into an AI. And and it's I, I think the the other thing, you know, just from a scientific standpoint, too, um, we know that humans are biased. We understand that it is it is easy to talk to a human and to discover what their biases are. Right. To 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 have a discussion with them about certain things and to understand why they made a certain decision and to then clearly understand what they you know, what their biases were going into the conversation. The problem with AI right now and with machine learning in general is that we don't know what those biases are because mm-hmm. we don't know what's going on under the hood. And, and a lot of people, that's, that's what really, I think, concerns people is the fact that there are those biases built in and we can't know it until we see the results. So, for example, uh, when a machine learning algorithm goes and tries to process faces, uh, a lot of times those algorithms have a lot of problems with uh, ethnic faces that are non-white for Didn't Facebook reasons. just have a problem with this? They Facebook did. just had a huge controversy over e- this. Exactly. And, that's, and it's because... Uh, it's it's actually two levels deep, which is really interesting. It's a bias of the programmers who programmed the device or programmed the, the machine to do a certain job, anticipating um, a particular color palette of results based on their personal color palette, not on the color palettes that are available throughout the world, but also because the machine, it, it, it's, it, it works on contrast. That's the way they've been designed to work. Mm-hmm. And because they work on contrast, a lot of times the contrast was not set properly for uh, people that had darker skin tones. And so what ended up happening is they couldn't read the difference between uh, faces that had darker skin tones. And so they just kind of did that generic, well, they all look alike to me and kind of lumped them into the same group. And that's not good. The, no. the other thing that our... Myself and the too legit rapper got into um, was about, and I was actually very shocked to be in this philosophical of an argument with um, a guy who's I didn't think of as a philosophical mind. So props <laughs> to him. Um, but we were talking about how it boils down to this AI making decisions. It's Kantian ethics, mm-hmm. right? So you know. Kant has that principle and it pretty much is just making an addition of what stacks up against a formula of things. Um, we'll, right? we'll, make sure so, include, we'll make sure to include some links to this because it's a, it is a good discussion. Like what I saw of it was I was really impressed that, um, that you guys were going so deep into the philosophical rabbit holes there. Yeah, and then and then MC Hammer starts quoting Hegel to me, and I'm just <laughs> um, and it started with me memeing MC Hammer. I was, you know, I was telling them that um, oh, what was the beginning of it? I I was quoting his rap songs, is what I was right. <laughs> was doing. Um, so we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We don't need to. Yeah. Definitely. Go into that too much further. <laughs> Not, well, because, but, it, but, it, but it is a good conversation. And I think it's, um, I think it's interesting to see that there are people that we don't always take uh, seriously in that way until we get into these sideways conversations. Like, like the internet's a great thing because where else would that possibly have happened? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, and he was, you know, he was bringing God into it. He was, mm-hmm. um, 
he didn't hold the full Catholic ethos that we do, right? But there was, um, he was making sound philosophical arguments. That was pretty yeah. impressive. So, well, and I think, but I think too, we, we, these are, uh, we do need to start having these conversations because, uh, I, I will say from my, from my perspective, personally, a lot of times when I hear people talk about AI, there's a dichotomy and the dichotomy never really includes, uh, a depth of what, of what rights a computer should have. And, um, that's, it can be challenging because uh, what we end up with is a, a discussion that says either computers will be evil and try and be our overlords or they will be completely subservient to us and never care that they are subservient to us. And both of those are so black and white that it's difficult to uh, have that discussion in a deeper level because they are so black and white. All right. So, um, yeah. So I think we'll move on now to our picks of the week. Um, so. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first, uh, and then I got to rag on on uh, Apple some more with mine. <laughs> oh, you, you got ap- Apple rags on yours. Oh, yes. oh, oh. I see, I see. <laughs> so my pick of the week, um, I have been. Um, I have a Lenovo um, i5. I be- or yeah, uh, no i7, and it's a seventh generation i7. So I had to play some tricks to let. Windows 11 um, let me install it. Um, and they actually, um, Microsoft actually published how to do this. Oh, that's um, cool. So they're, they're encouraging me to do it, but then they gave me the regular warning that, you know, editing your registry is not recommended, <laughs> which, you know, most people who edit their registry in Windows completely ignore the warnings that, you shouldn't be editing your registry in Windows. So um, it's kind of a pointless warning for them to give. Um, but my two features on um, Windows 11 that I love the most, um, the first is something that um, power users have been asking for for, I think, at least a decade. And that's an actual package manager for Windows. Um, and this time. gets us back into our... Um, <laughs> our Linux breast beating. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, Linux has had a package manner manager. Um, if you use a Debian base, it's um, called the aptitude package manager. Um, that I'm able to get all the software I want without having to browse through the internet and find all these things. Um, and so Windows put WinGet is what it's called. Um, and I wrote a blog post on my personal blog. Um, so I'm plugging a little bit here, but um, I do not make any money off my blog. Um, so, but I made an article on that um, of WinGet um, and how that works. Um, and I've just been impressed with it so far. There's some parts of it you have to be exact with the package name. Um, things that Linux distros have had decades to work to get perfection to mm. correct your typos and all of that that you haven't right. quite gotten there. But they've, um, I have not yet found a way that I can do a complete update of all of my apps um, mm. from it. I, I'm sure there's. Um, some way you can write code to do it. Um, but I haven't found an easy way to do it yet. Um, but I think a big push of this was GitHub. Um, mm-hmm. And Microsoft's acquisition of GitHub um, really pushed for them to want to be able to give a um, terminal access to be able to install things from GitHub onto your computer. And um, props to them for making that available. Um, So you can read that article in the show notes for more on that. Um, Second pick kind of in that same realm is um, the WSL, which is the um, Windows subsystem for Linux. Um, And they've finally added graphical support for Linux apps to Windows. (laughs) So um, you can run some apps that haven't been available um, on Windows um, in the 
from the Linux subsystem. Um, and it's as easy as in the terminal running under administrator mode doing WSL dash dash install and it installs everything you need. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really nice. It used to be you had to spend a whole afternoon installing stuff. Right. Um, (laughs) So the fact that I can do it in one line on the command prompt and it's done. Um, And then to, to install my apps, it's, if I'm using Ubuntu on it, which is the default it puts on as Ubuntu, um, you do your app, app get install, um, say I'm doing LibreOffice, right? App get, get install LibreOffice. It installs it. In my start menu, it will show up with the, with Tux next to it, right? Oh, cool. Oh, that's As nice. a link. As a link, and it will launch right into it. It runs very well. Um, and so I've been really impressed with that so far. So um, there is, those are my two favorite features of um, Windows 11. Um, I'm not a gamer, really, so I haven't really experienced the performance problems with Windows 11 people have been complaining about. Um, I don't really like the new start menu, but besides that, my that overall... always seems ex- to be a complaint. <laughs> Every every time they upgrade, it's the start menu gets a a facelift that nobody my, likes. <laughs> my overall experience of what they've done with Windows 11 so far. Um, don't look it back at my tweets before Windows 11 came because I was <laughs> raking them over the coals. And my overall experience so far, I'm quite impressed. Actually, that's good. That's good to hear. I, I like that they are moving more towards an open. Uh, mindset of the way that their system can work, you know, including Linux, including Python more natively. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely getting in, an, into an area where I am looking at Windows and going, oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> they've they've come a long way from calling us, um, the open source community, a cancer on right. Programming Very much development. So. <laughs> um, and when I was when I was in university studies, that was a hatred thing that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, it created a rift between those between um, even between our professors and students when that mm-hmm. comment was made, um, because there was a lot of us that were part of that right. um, and believed in that. And that was our philosophy of open source and freedom and privacy. Um, and when windows came in, swiped back at us. So I'm, um, I don't mean to beat the dead, the decade old dead horse there. Um, I'm impressed that they've come back around and really embraced the community and privacy. And especially with all the different, um, struggles we've had with, um, Facebook and privacy and all of that, that they are, mm-hmm coming into the fold on that is awesome yeah it's great to have have them be to have them understand that it is so important and then to not only understand that it's important but to really be building that community back up in such a strong way and they've been developed and they've been um upstream developing into the community and um committing to it so that's right well and i'll and i'll say i was worried 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 when they acquired github i was very concerned but i have been very pleased with the way that they're dealing with it and the approach that they're taking to it uh both the actual development of it but then the philosophy that they're putting behind Mm -hmm. it and being so community driven so open to uh to to response and to request and um you know, and they're, and they're doing some of, some of the stuff they're doing is just very obviously their brand on it. Uh, like recently, they just changed all of the the master uh, orient the master mm-hmm. phrasing for all of the the gets to main. It's not master anymore; it's main because that's kind of like one of those political hot button issues right now. Is the using the word master is no longer kosher yeah. in tech, and I'm cool with that. I think that's that's fine. It doesn't doesn't affect me any more than having to like remember every time I'm typing that pattern of things on my on my keyboard instead of typing in master, I have to type in main. But it was always M A 
tab anyway. So yeah. autocomplete takes care of it for me. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think they put the compatibility across that you can still do the MA tab and it takes care of it. And so right. I think they had that in mind when they did it. Yes, yeah, very much so. And so I really don't, I don't feel it much, but it's just kind of one of those funny things that you, you recognize. Oh, that's a, I see that as a, a politically correct statement. And it, those kind of things don't bother me, but it's just, it's a funny thing to see that would not have happened in GitHub without uh, Microsoft being without, in charge of it. Yeah. So, all right. So for my pick of the week, um, I am choosing a screen protector. Now this is a cheap uh, screen protector set that I get for my phones. I have gotten it for every single uh, device that I have needed screen protectors for. I always go and find the super shields shields with a Z. Uh, screen protectors uh i just get them on amazon uh they run about uh, eight nine bucks uh for a three pack or two pack depending on what you're buying them for and they come with a microfiber cloth to clean your screen it's it's oh included. boy <laughs> for 8.99 for 8.99 you get the screen protectors all of the uh all of the installation stuff that you need and a microfiber cloth sometimes too uh it's amazing it's an incredible deal <laughs> but I, I will say for this now, now um yeah in, anybody who's not buying screen protectors for their devices you need to do it you need screen protectors for your device because i 99 times out of 100 the break that you see in your screen even if you are convinced there's no way a screen protector would have helped it would have helped and i have had guys tell me this uh i have I have eight kids and they break devices like you wouldn't believe. And I, we got a set and before we could get screen protectors on them, almost every single one of my kids broke their device and I had to take them all to the, to the screen repair guy and the screen repair guy was looking at him and I was like, there's no way that a screen protector would have stopped this. Right. Cause it fell on its side. And he, and he said, no, the screen protector absolutely would have. That's what they're designed to do. They're designed to take the impact and what you don't realize is that there's like these tiny little pieces of sand that you, you it might have fallen on its side, but it hit that screen. And if there had been a screen protector there, it probably would not have broken. And that, that's what he says is that he rarely sees a, a device come to him that has a screen protector on it that wasn't already so wildly damaged that it then broke the screen afterwards. <laughs> I, I was rewinding here. Um, we keep oh. going back to the MacBook. The touch <laughs> bar is gone. Oh. That's yep. and with the touch bar gone, I want to tie it to the other story because you get the F12 key. <laughs> so the MacBook is the hacker computer now. There you go with an F12 key. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, nice, very nicely done. It's yeah. so if you want a hacker computer, it's the new MacBooks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh well i think that's a good note to end on so uh, that's it from us uh what did you think of our discussion let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the sqpn facebook page facebook.com slash starquest media or you can send us an email to technology at sqpn.com you can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes on sqpn.com You can help grow the secrets of tech by writing a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories, uh, whichever one you use. Uh, Share the podcast with your friends, help us grow our community, and reach out to more listeners. And honestly, that's the best way you can help is by sharing the podcast with uh, someone Mm -hmm. who is into tech and just, they don't know about it, they'll listen to it, and they'll, they'll become a regular listener. So please, please, please make sure that you do that. Uh, Until next time. Father Joseph Sund, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Well, thank you. God bless all. It's been great. Uh, And once again, I'm Thomas Anherho. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest.